me um, just pray and focus our hearts on God's word and, and ask him to uh, speak through it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thanks, um, even as Jesus prayed, that it is truth. We pray that you'd sanctify us this morning by it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, if this is your first time with us, you are jumping into the fourth week of our series through the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6 this morning. But if you will follow along with me, I'm going to read from verses 3 through 14 of chapter 1, Ephesians 1, starting with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We're working through this this long sentence of praise and blessing of God. And, and uh, the reason we, we're continuing to read verses 3 through 14, even as we just take one or two verses or three verses each week, is because verses 3 through 14 is one sentence in the Greek. From, from the beginning of 3 to the end of 14 is one sentence. So Paul's just writing this one beautiful, amazing, God-exalting, Christ-exalting sentence of worship. And it starts off with, blessed be God, and it finishes off with praise of His glory. And in between is just over and over and over, praise to His glorious grace, praise to His glory, to the Beloved in Christ, and just over and over and over through this one sentence... It's just the exaltation of Christ and why we ought to be praising Him and why we ought to be blessing Him and extolling Him and and living our lives for Him and and living holy and blameless lives. And so we're in the midst of that right now. And two weeks ago we talked about how we have already, those of us who are in Christ, have already been blessed with everything we need for life and godliness. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then last week, we saw how we ought to be blessing God. We ought to be praising God because He chose us. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. And we saw that not only should that lead us to praise, and it should lead us to praise Him. It should lead us to worship Him. It should lead us to exalt in Him. But not only that, it should lead us to live lives that are holy and blameless before Him. 
As we look at the truth, as we look at, at what Scripture teaches, that the God of the universe, before the foundations of the world, would look so far into the future and see you and see me and say, I choose you, I choose you, I choose you. Our response ought to be, number one, God, you are so unbelievably gracious. But secondly, it should be, I want to live for you. I want my life to be holy. I want my life to be blameless because of what you have done, because of what you did before the foundations of the world. I want to live a holy and blameless life before you. I want to live for you. I want everything that is mine to be yours. I want to just give it to you. I just want to lay my life down before you. And so the result and and the fruit or a fruit of God choosing us ought to be us living a holy and blameless life. And so we pick up in verse 5 and we're going to, we're going to tag on the, the last two words of verse 4 into verse 5. Because it says, in love, into verse 4, he predestined us for adoption as sons. In love, he predestined us for adoption. We're going to talk about what does it mean? What does the word predestined mean? What does that mean? But first, the motivation is those first two words. What's the motivation for his predestining us? It's love. In love, he predestined us for adoption. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Because of the great love with which he has loved us. God motivated, it's saying, motivated by love, chose us and predestined us for adoption. Colossians 3.12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And it gives us a list of things we ought to put on. Things that we ought to be wearing, things that we ought to be being as the follower of Christ. But what does it say? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved by God. Now, some of us really struggle with that. Some of you may really struggle with that. But what Scripture is telling us is the reason that God chose, the reason that God predestined is because He is madly in love. He is love. And some of you push away from that. Some of you have a hard time just accepting the fact that the God of the universe may be loving It may actually love you more than you've ever been loved in your entire life, but that's what it says. He loved us. And chosen, we were chosen holy and beloved by God. So in love, He predestined us. I love what what John Piper says, um, actually in his book on marriage, but he says this, if you resist the truth of election, you resist being loved in the fullness and sweetness of, of God's love. It was God's love, Scripture tells us, that motivated him to do that. It was love that motivated him to predestine us. So what does that word mean, that word predestine? I know just like last week, there's a lot of underlying feelings and and tensions and and difficulties and certainly questions that come up and, and struggles, but let's just look at what does the Bible say, okay? That's what we need to do with our life. Just what does the Bible say? In love, he predestined us. That word predestined has a funny meaning. It means that he predestined us. 
That's what it means in the original. It means to be previously ordained or appointed to some position. To be previously ordained or appointed to some position. And the position that it's talking about in love, he, he ordained us, he previously ordained us or appointed us to some position. What's that position? Adoption. Adoption as his children, as his sons, as his daughters. John Piper, um, to clarify, I think this is very helpful. Because what's the difference between election? We talked about him choosing us, and now this week we're talking about him predestining us. What in the world is this redundancy? Or, or is Paul just re-emphasizing? Or what, what's the difference there? And, and John Piper clarifies it this way. He says, election refers to God's freedom in choosing whom he will predestine. Predestination refers to the goal or destiny for which he chose them. Election is God's choosing whom he will, and predestination is God's determination that they will become his children. In other words, when God chose you, he had a purpose, and so he predetermined, he predestined that purpose to come about. That you would become a child of God. This is a funny thing. Because you use that word in relationship to God and, and there's two different responses. Some of you have just may have embraced this and you just, you, I don't know what else to do because that's what the Bible says. And so I'm just going to embrace it. And I don't understand it like we talked about last week, but I embrace it, God, because you said it. And I don't know how to take two things that I can't bring together in my head. You're choosing and predestining people and you saying that we have a responsibility to, to come to you. I don't know how to take those two things and put them together but you have somehow. And you said they're both true, and so I'm just going to embrace them both and believe them both. I know that some of you might not be there yet, and so you hear that, and there's like this tension, and, and there may be difficulty. Listen carefully, okay? If you're in Christ, there's only one response. Thank you. I thank you so much. God, you chose me? You picked me, you predestined me, you saw what I was going to be like, you knew what I was going to do, you knew the decisions I would make, you knew how I would fail on people, and you knew how I would fail on you, and you said, me? You picked me, you chose me in love, you predestined me, you chose me and picked me before the foundations of the world. Just sit in that for a moment. Just dwell on that thought for a second. The God of the universe, in love, predestined us for adoption. There is no greater thought. And here's why. My will always chooses against God. Always. Every time I exercise my own fleshly will, I always choose against God. I needed him. I needed him to come in and rescue me. I needed, like we talked about last week, I needed him to awaken my heart. I needed him to shine in my heart, like 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, so that I could see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that it was possible. And he did it. In love. He predestined me for adoption. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, 
which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. His own purpose, his own grace, which he gave us before the ages began. The same thing Ephesians is saying here. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in love. He predestined us for adoption. It's beautiful. What should we do with that? We should praise him. What was the result of that choosing and predestination? What does it say? In love, he predestined us for adoption. He adopted us as his children. God chose and predestined that we be adopted by him in Christ. You may ask this, when were we adopted? When we believed. Right? When we believed, we were adopted. Well, could I have not believed? Not if I was chosen. Well, what about my whosoever will may come? Yep, whosoever will may come. My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways than your ways. I don't, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. I'm just so grateful for it all. I'm just so thankful that the God of the universe would adopt me. That he would walk through this sinful, terrible place before the foundations of the world and look and say, I choose you. I want you to be my child. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. It's mind-blowing to me, but I'm grateful. Not only should we praise him for that, it should bring us so much assurance if we're in Christ. It should bring us so much assurance in our salvation that it wasn't by works, and it's not going to be maintained by works. It's Christ And he is all. All the works that needed to be accomplished were done in him. And through him. And so I can be assured, not just because of, and definitely because of, but not just because of verses like Jesus and John where he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. And no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. Not just because of that, but because it's his work. And he's a great worker. He does a great job at the things that he does. And he chose me before the foundations of the world that I would be holy and blameless before him. And he loved, he predestined me to be his child. His child. Beautiful. Just think about that. He adopted us. That the, the God of the universe is our father. Now, some of you may have had earthly fathers or maybe even earthly mothers who failed you. I'm an earthly father who continues to fail. I keep messing up. I keep having to go back and telling my kids I was wrong. I shouldn't have handled it that way. I shouldn't have done that. I keep messing up as a father. But we have a father in heaven who never fails. He's perfect in all of his ways. He's loving and gracious 
and good and righteous in all of his ways. And no matter what my earthly father were like or are like or what I'm like as a father to my children, if they have Christ, they have a perfect heavenly father. And we've been adopted by God, the, the, the father and God of the whole universe. He adopted us. If we're in Christ. Not just that, but as adopted children, we have the same rights and privileges as the son. Remember verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, everything we need for life and godliness. He's blessed us already with that credited to our account. We're alive, we're free, we have the righteousness of Christ credited to us. We have the Spirit in us. We are God's children, adopted as His sons and daughters. Romans eight sixteen and 17 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Don't want to forget the last part of that verse, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We're fellow heirs with Christ, adopted in love by God. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. We sang this song at the beginning. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. There's no other reason. Nothing I could have done, nothing that I could have convinced him, nothing. Just, it's all Christ. And we're adopted as sons through Jesus Christ because of his work. Because, as verse 4 says, before the foundation of the world, God looked and said, I choose him in you, Christ. It goes on, according to the purpose of his will. Some of us just may be blatantly honest and just say, I would not have done it that way. Maybe you say, I don't think that's fair. And I will tell you, you're right, it's not. It's not fair that God chose me. It's not fair that I get to go to heaven. I deserve it no more than anyone else. The only fair situation is that anyone goes to heaven. You realize that, right? God is perfectly holy, perfectly holy in all of his ways. No sin in his presence. He's just holiness, righteousness, perfect in all of his ways. The fact that he would look and in love and demonstrate his grace and let anyone come is not fair. It's not fairness, it's grace. according to the purpose of his will. God cannot be constrained by any outside force. And so, yes, you may think I wouldn't do it that way. And that's okay. I'm glad you're not God. I love the way he did it. It has worked out really, really, really well for thousands of years and is certain to for the rest of eternity. 
He's perfect and holy and all wise. He's good. And it is His good pleasure that He would in love predestine and adopt us. Now, how do I deal with this as a pastor? Genuinely. I I mean, this is not just a, a difficult thing for people who sit down and listen. Like, this is, how do we wrestle through this? What do we do? How do I deal with this as a pastor? I'll be honest with you. There, were, there was a long time where, as a pastor, I would put pressure on myself that I had to say the right things the right way. And, and certainly that's important. God has called me to study and show myself approved and preach the word and, and not preach outside of the word, but preach the word. And certainly there's a responsibility that I have to teach you what the Bible says. But I would put a, a pressure on me that if I don't say it the right way, in the right way, with the right inflections and do the right things and have just enough analogies. Analogies are huge. If I don't have pictures and, and things to help you understand what this crazy Bible is saying, you'll never believe. And I, I, would, I would convince myself of that. If I just, I have to say it the right way. And so Easter especially, you just got to gotta form the words the right way and do the right things because we want people to come to Christ. And here's what I've learned. That is bogus. It's not true. In fact, Mark chapter 4. Just a couple verses there real quick. This is how I deal with this now. In Mark 4, verses 26 uh, through 28, Jesus is telling a parable of the, of the kingdom of God. Starting with verse 26, he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Now just quickly, the beginning of chapter 4 is that parable of the sower, right? The sower is anyone who preaches the word, and the seed that he scatters is God's word, right? And so as the sower spreads seed, as he spreads God's word, some falls on hard ground, some falls on thorny ground, some falls on rocky ground, and some falls on good soil. And you can kind of go back through that. I encourage you to, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, at the beginning of chapter 4, and Jesus explains what in the world he means when he tells that parable. But we know from that that the seed is God's word. And the sower is the one who spreads seed, who preaches or teaches God's word. And it doesn't have to be from a church platform. It doesn't, it just, as God's word goes out, that is seed. And the soil it lands on are hearts. And some receive it and some do not. But what it says here in chapter 4, starting with verse 26, is the kingdom of heaven is if a man should scatter seed, so scatter God's word on the ground, on soil, hearts. And what does the sower do? He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. And he knows not how. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it. He just throws out seed and some of it produces a harvest and he doesn't understand. What he does is he does what God called him to do. He spreads seed and then he goes to bed. 
and he rests. He sleeps and he gets up and he sleeps and he gets up and he sleeps. And it's God that's working. In fact, this is incredible. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Now, if you just read that here, you might say, aha. See, what it's saying is the, the person's heart produces it by itself. It's the person's heart that does it, right? No. That phrase, by itself, is a phrase and in, 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 in what we would translate as the word automatically. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's not something that's done on its own. It only happens when Peter is let out of prison and the angel's bringing him out of prison and the gate opens by itself. Who did that? God did it. It wasn't Peter's heart that did it. God opened the gate automatically. And in the same way, what this passage is saying is the sower spreads seed. As you go and tell people about God, rest. Tell them and rest. And let God do his work. And that's the beautiful thing is realizing that God is absolutely in control and he's loving, more loving than I am. And so as I spread seed, as I preach God's word, I can rest knowing that he is in control of his word. And he's able to produce a harvest that I'm not able to produce with coercion or anything like that. So I handle this with joy, with delight, knowing that God, who is absolutely good and all wise and all powerful and perfectly righteous and holy in all of his ways, is in control of it. He's handling it. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. To the praise of his glorious grace. God's ultimate purpose is not just redemption, but the praise of his glorious name through redemption. That's his ultimate goal, is that he would be glorified and we would praise him. It's all about God. I love John MacArthur who said this, God chose and preordained the body, the church, before the foundation of the world in order that no human being could boast or take glory for himself, but that all the glory might be his. Salvation is not partly of God and partly of man, but entirely of God. To guarantee that every provision and every detail of salvation was accomplished before any human was ever born or before a planet was formed on which he could be born. That's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 1 here. It took place before there was anything. So how could we boast except in the Lord? It's all him. Before the foundation of the world. So that we, we have nothing to boast about except God, except Christ. And really the ultimate reason for everything is his glory, right? 
That's why that as, as followers of Christ, we, we ought to do everything we do. And even 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that in everything we do, or chapter 10, verse 31, tells us that in everything we do, even if we eat or drink, we do all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Everything we do ought to be for His glory, purposefully for His glory. Matthew 5.16, Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why did he choose you? Why did he set you apart? So that he would be praised. So that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.12 Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God. On the day of visitation, all things that we do ought to be for His glory. And that's what Paul's saying here, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. His grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. I think through this, what we've seen so far. God has blessed us richly with every spiritual blessing in Christ, the Beloved. He's chosen us in Christ, His beloved Son. He predestined us and adopted us in Christ, the Beloved. And all this is to the praise of His glorious grace with which He blessed us in Christ, the Beloved. You get a theme that's going on here so far? It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. All about Christ. Not partly about Christ. It's all Christ. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of worship. As we continue to move down through this wonderful praise sentence, move on in this passage, and, and you ponder things about election and predestination, let me encourage you, don't think about these things apart from Christ. It's all about Christ. And we can tend to get hung up and, and start thinking about ourselves. And when we get hung up on predestination and, and election, we, we get hung up because we turn the focus to me. Well, what about me? What did I have to do with this? Well, how about me? It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's all about Christ. That is the whole message of this section, and it's the whole message of the Bible. It's not about me. And so as you ponder and think through those things, think Christ. Don't think about election apart from Christ. Don't think about predestination apart from Christ. When God planned in eternity to pick you out, to save you, when He chose you before the foundation of the world, He had Christ in mind.
God planned before the foundation of the world to save us through the death and resurrection of His Son. God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the point. It's all Christ. And so we praise Him and we proclaim Him in the hopes that others will come and believe and follow Jesus and be adopted to the praise of His glorious grace. And we preach the gospel and we say whosoever will may come and whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we praise him for his work. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy and Lord, your love. Your love. In love, you predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of your will, to the praise of your glorious grace with which you have blessed us in the beloved, in Christ, in Jesus. Help us, God. Help us to fix our hearts. Help us to fix our minds. Help us to fix our motives on Jesus. Help us to respond to this great work that you have done with praise, with holiness, with blameless lives. For you are worthy. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.